out of the sky My dreams went crashing When you said goodbye Who'd think that after all I've been to you That you and I would be through Hello and welcome back to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Uh, in this episode, we'll be looking at uh, a story by Kenneth J. Sterling and HP Lovecraft called In the Walls of Erex. Um, this is a pretty late story. Uh, it was written during the last year of Lovecraft's life. Now, Kenneth J. Sterling uh, met Lovecraft when he was only 14 years old. Uh, actually, came to his door apparently, in, and met him. And he wrote this story in The Walls of Eric's, and then Lovecraft helped him rewrite it. Um, so it's it's kind of written uh, over by Lovecraft, but the basic plot is, is Kenneth Sterling's. And it's a pretty impressive story for such a, a young man to have written. Well, uh, this is a science fiction story um, that's... Uh, set on venus and it's it's got some really interesting things here as a science fiction story it's it's got its kind of lovecraft elements too or it, it kind of got its weird fiction elements as well but i think it's it really does work just as a as a science fiction story the horror comes in the main character being trapped in a maze so um you know can't find his way out i guess you got kind of the theseus storyline going on here where he's stuck in a maze can't get his way out, doesn't have the string or whatever, or the breadcrumbs to get his way back out. And he's trapped there. And it, it sort of is a trap set up by the indigenous people of, of, of Venus. So uh, basically what's going on in this story is humans have essentially colonized Venus and are using it to extract certain crystals, um, basically stealing them from the indigenous population who are seen as inferior and backward and not very intelligent um deceitful basically they're like the uh, the, the negative portrayals of native americans in a way there there is kind of a metaphor here of colonization something lovecraft himself never really did that much of i think in the case of charles dexter ward there's a bit of at least uh pretty severe commentary on the slave trade as i talked about before in this podcast go back to those episodes for that um but you know his vision of the frontier is not one of colonialist exploitation and conquest his vision of the frontier is more like this is where backward people live illiterate people weirdos cultists dunwiches out in the frontier right um so it's something really different um, and I think that's what makes In the Walls of Eric's kind of an interesting and exciting to read um, because it does, it is doing something so different. It does at times become a bit of a Lovecraft story, um, but, but that's okay. Um, it, it does have that horror element, but it's, it's, it's drawn from the story itself. So anyways, our, by the way, our main character here, this is interesting. He's, uh, He's got a his his oxygen mask on, right? And he's it's called uh, the Carter Os oxygen masks. I don't know if that's added by Lovecraft or by um, 
Sterling as a as a shout out to to Lovecraft, but uh, we know that Carter's uh, descendants will someday uh, save Australia from the Mongols. <laughs> we know that from the, through the gates of the Silver Key. Um, but at some point in the future as well, they apparently the Carter family got involved in technological development and and created these oxygen oxygen masks for uh, Venetian uh, travel and and for living on Venus. So anyways, he's there. The main character work is working for this like crystal company um, at Terra Nova, which is like the city, the, the human city on Venus. And their basically job is to go out and, and find crystals and, and take them out. Um, it's like a MacGuffin kind of natural resource that you see a lot in science fiction. It's, it's some precious thing that you can only get on this planet, which requires humans to exploit the indigenous population to um to extract um and he's and he's working for the company so you have kind of a corporate takeover of venus which is another uh again something you see a lot in science fiction stories but doesn't really come up in the typical lovecraft story so um anyways he's the main character this is a long story by the way twelve thousand words it's, it's a significant length and it does go on a little bit but that's okay. He eventually ends up in this maze uh, put together by the indigenous people and he gets trapped there and he can't get his way out. And so much of the story, the biggest part of the story is him trying different ways to escape the, the maze and deal with the different traps, different uh, ways the, this, this maze is set up to keep people from leaving. So he is kind of like a rat in a maze and he can't get out. Now, eventually, he, he can't get it. He finds he can't get out. Uh, he, he despairs, quote, horror and despair, baffled again. After making the previous entry, I approached still closer to the skeleton, but suddenly encountered intervening wall. I had been deceived once more and was apparently back where I had been three days before on my first futile attempt to leave the labyrinth. Whether I screamed aloud, I do not know. Perhaps I was too weak to utter a sound. I merely lay dazed in the mud for a long period while the greenish things outside leaped and laughed and gestured. End quote. So he basically f realizes he's never going to get out of this maze. And at this point, uh, he begins to develop a degree of empathy and uh, respect for the for the indigenous people of Venus. And he basically leaves a message in his diary or his, his log where he says, maybe we should stop treating the Venetians this way, stop seeing them as savages and stop exploiting them for their crystals. Quote, if it does survive to be read, he's talking about his, his journal here, I hope it may do more than merely warn men of this trap. I hope it may teach our race to let those shiny crystals stay where they are. They belong to Venus alone. Our planet does not truly need them, and I believe we have violated some obscure and mysterious law, some law buried deep in the arcana of the cosmos, in our attempt to take them. Who can tell what dark, potent, and widespread forces spur on these reptilian things who guard the treasures so strangely? Dwight and I have paid, as others have paid and will pay. But it may be that those scattered deaths are only a prelude of greater horrors to come. Let us leave Venus, that which, belong, that which belongs only to Venus. So it's, first he says we should stop colonizing Venus for the resources. But he also says here, 
um, we should feel he starts to feel more kindly, even though he's being killed essentially by the indigenous population. He begins to empathize with them more and understand them not as stupid savages and brutes and monsters, but as intelligent beings capable of outsmarting them. Um, and he says, like, we are not better than them in the cosmic scale. So there's a nice little Lovecraftian kind of theme there of, you know, in the face of the broader cosmos and its indifference to us. We're all kind of worms. Quote, as the end approaches, I feel more kindly towards the things in the scale of cosmic entity. Who can say which species stands higher or more nearly approaches the space white organic norm? Theirs or mine? End quote. So his diary ends with a realization of a degree of empathy for the for the creatures. And then we get a, a postscript, which allows this narrative to also, like may, so many of these revisions, to be a nested narrative, a frame story. Here the frame just comes at the end, I think. Yeah. The frame is just at the end. But it's a report of, of one of the leaders of the Venus Crystal Company, uh, or one of the soldiers who was sent to follow up. They find him. They find his body. And they have his report. And instead of obviously listening to the advice of our narrator who says we should treat these indigenous people these indigenous aliens uh with respect and leave them alone he says basically this guy went nuts at the end why did he die he had plenty of oxygen it's not clear what killed him um but he basically says well now we know how to deal with this this maze um and he basically, this guy named Stanfield, the narrator of the story, could have escaped very easily. Um, that's kind of the real, the revelation at the end is that he was near the exit, but he gave up, even though he had only like 20 feet to get to the exit door. Um, but exhaustion and despair led him to give up. Um, and so the trap really works on you psychologically, not merely being a maze itself. It's like a psychological maze that keeps you trapped. So that's uh and that's what much of the story does is develop the growing panic and terror at the thought of being unable to escape this maze so i don't have too much more to say about the story i i do recommend checking it out if you want to see um something that lovecraft worked on that fits more into a science fiction story it's themes of of colonization, of, of resource exploitation, of, of empathy for the other. Of course, very common in, in modern science fiction. Um, I don't, you know, maybe less so in the 1920s, but it does things that science fiction does really well, which is talk about contemporary issues, uh, have these kind of allegories for our own world, um, that horror, it doesn't really, that's not really the point of horror, I guess, horror is more about mood and experience and 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 cult of, you know experiencing our, our fears and that catharsis catharsis that comes from that maybe uh deeper questions of life and death and the cosmos um science fiction is very good at the social criticism and the you know having allegories for things like colonization and race and and whatever and i think the walls of eric's does that pretty well it's a little bit uh predictable i suppose that in the end no one's going to learn a lesson from this and obviously the profit motive will win out um it is kind of a criticism of of, of capitalism almost it's it's very much not like a lovecraft story at all except in the 
the development of the feeling of horror at being lost. And I, and I guess the twist at the end that he was near the exit and just had gone mad uh, also kind of feels like a Lovecraft contribution perhaps. And, but, it, but it works fine um, it, as, for what it is. So I guess that's all I have to say about it. It, it does drag on a bit, I think, as a, but it's all part of building the mood of, of the panic and terror. It maybe needed to be that long to give you the full effect of someone being driven mad by their in a, basically running around in circles in a maze. I guess it's a pity that Sterling didn't write more um, because I think he could have been a, an interesting writer with some interesting ideas, but he decided instead uh, to become a doctor and that was his career. So um, so we're not, we're not going to have much weird fiction to talk about uh, from Kenneth Sterling. So that's it So uh, for this story. Let me know what you think of it. I'm sure I could have said more about it, but... but that's all I'm going I'm to leave you with. I think it's an interesting science fiction story. Don't read it as a Lovecraft tale, necessarily. Just be aware that Lovecraft had his hand in writing it. Now, the final story I'm going to talk about in this entire series, unless someone digs up a story I missed. I, I think there's a couple short things I missed, like the book, Wicked Clergyman. I may just not, I may just skip those because uh, I think I've done enough. Um, but I do got one more story to talk about, and that's The Challenge from Beyond which was a round robin story written with C.L. Moore, Robert E. Howard, A. Merritt, uh, and Frank Belknap Long. Um, and it's, it's wild. It's, uh, each author seems to hijack the story and goes own way with it, his or her own way with it. And, and that ends up being a lot of fun. It, it, I guess it weakens the overall cohesiveness of the story, but it's, it's, it's fun to see each writer kind of put their own stamp on the story so uh that's what we'll talk about next and that'll be the final story in this hp lovecraft read through uh thanks for bearing with me through all these episodes over the past months um, and i'll see you next time with that uh with that milestone in this, this series uh, see you next time it breaks my heart to see you Day after day, turning away as much as to say, You've 